0: We're going to talk tonight about understanding how we got the Bible. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought, um, have you ever just sat down and thought, how did we get the Bible? You know, and when when I got this lesson, I started thinking about it and what I could say to you tonight. And this is going to be different because it's going to be a lot of reading and uh, a lot of, kind of like a history, I guess, uh, Teaching to you, it's not a. It's not a. Well, I guess you wouldn't say it's a Bible study, but it's more of a. Uh, I guess a history class to you, Brother David. So um, I'm going to need your help because I'm going to pronounce some words wrong because there's some. There's some strange names back in the old days. There's no common Johns and James back there. There's some weird names back there, but uh, I want to talk to you. And if you have your Bible and you want to, I want you to go ahead and turn with me to Romans chapter one, verse 16 through 20. And while you're turning there, you know, and talking about the Bible, I'm sure each and every one of you've got your favorite Bible. Each and every one of you probably have your own favorite Bible that you like to read every day. And, you know, and also I thought about you you ever went to somebody's house and when you walked in and and on their coffee table they had their what they call the family Bible. And every family Bible I've ever seen, church, was one of these Bibles that's about this big about this thing, you know, and I thought about, man, how would you carry that around? But, you know, and everybody calls it their family Bible because it has all kind of records and of deaths and births and all that kind of stuff. And I thought about, you know, everybody has their favorite Bible, and you, and you probably have your favorite Bible with you tonight. And and and, and talking about that, I, I've got my, I guess, my favorite Bible here and, uh, with me tonight, and, and you know, and it's nothing... Just out in ordinary there's nothing great about this Bible than other the, the, the kind of the history that I have with this Bible and it's just a common Bible you know and and the Bible I have here is a very special to me, and of course I'll show it to you it's nothing like I said great it's just faded red, got my name on it, you know, but this Bible means so much to me because many many years ago, when I was in school. You know, I had I had a few Bibles growing up in my life, and and uh, this Bible was given to me by a special person, a person that really helped me in my life, and and uh, today, well, I'll always give her to the glory for that she helped me to get where I'm at today. And I'm not saying that I'm something great or nothing, so don't get me wrong or nothing like that. But she helped me go down the right path, I guess. Even though there's times I got off, but she put me back on it. This person that I'm talking about was my mother gave me this Bible. And it's special to me because back when I got this Bible, my mother gave it to me when it was just me and her at home. Uh, some of you may know my about my life. I didn't have much of a father. Um, I probably never did see him about maybe four or five times, or if it was that, I guess. And uh, most of the time it was just me and my mother that was at home. And, and I remember one Christmas when we lived, we first moved here in Blyville, uh, it was just me and her, and we lived in an apartment. And, of course, you know, of course then, you know, a person trying to make it by themselves was hard. It was a difficult for her. And, and I remember that Christmas that she gave me this Bible. And, and if, if there's any, anything else she gave me, I can't remember. I can't, probably not because it was hard back then. She was trying to work and do her best for me and her to make it. But I remember when I got this and she handed it to me and I opened it up and I seen that it was a Bible. And I thought about how much this Bible probably cost her and how much it was probably put her back. But she knew. If there was anything I need was a Bible. If there was any important thing you need in your life is a Bible. No matter what else she could have bought me that year, the, um, the thing that I needed most was a Bible. And I'll never forget that, that she thought that much about me and knew that God would probably use me one day. That she went and spent her money that, was, that we probably needed for something else and bought this Bible for me. And believe it or not, and I, and I really mean this, I wouldn't take anything for this Bible. Now, I've got other Bibles at home, but this one means more than anything. And I thought about, you know, about this Scripture, talking about how we got the Bible. And if you don't mind, I'm going to, like I said, I ask you to turn to Romans 1, verse 16-20. And we're going to start with these verses. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. It is written that just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from the heavens against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold truth and unrighteousness. But that which be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him, from the creation of the world, are clear clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse and I thought about you know what could I say to you today about how did we got the Bible and where the Bible come from, and I have some uh, things i 'm going to read you i 'm going to give you a history of some dates of where the Bible started. But before I go there, I I pulled up online a little devotion that I want to read to you. And it talks about the Bible just for a few moments here. It says, you know, everybody remembers, y'all all all remember Vince Lombardi, don't you? For you that don't know who Vince Lombardi was, I guess he was probably one of the greatest football coaches there was. And uh, it starts here, it says, Vince Lombardi was talking to his football team one day. And he says, gentlemen, this is a football he certainly did not have to tell the, his men that was on his football team what a football was. He was not trying to, ma- to little the people or belittle them. He was simply making a point that we are going to get back to the basics. Just as Vince Lombardi went back to the basics with his football players, so must the Christians go back to the basics with the Bible. Again, this is a Bible and it's for Everyone. You know, and I thought about what he was saying. We need to get back to the basics of what football means to help us to understand what football is. But I believe today the world needs to get back to what the Bible is. I believe the Bible, we need to get back to understanding what the Bible says. There's so many people out there that doesn't ever pick up the Bible and read it. There's so many people out there, church, that doesn't... You, you can say, do you know what this is? And, and they would say, what's well, a Bible? And you say, well, do you ever read it? No. I'm telling you right now, we can clearly see. And we was talking, I heard him talking just a few minutes out there. Wendell was out there talking about how the world is and how the things are going on in the world. And I thought about what I was going to talk to you tonight about how this world needs to pick up the Bible. They need to pick the Bible up and read it because it will help people these days. It will help people get on the right path and show them where they need to be. But people, they just go on day to day without even pick up the Bible. And I don't understand how can they do it. And I believe today, if there's anything the world needs to do, church, is to get back to the basics of the Bible. Pick it up and read it. The Bible is for everyone, as verse 20 read. The Bible's unlike... I like football, where it's hard for me to understand why some of you don't like football, because I I love football. And I I can understand some of you that don't, but I don't understand why. But anyway, the Bible is for everyone. If you don't like football, surely you can pick up the Bible and you need to love the Bible. It's for everybody. For since generations of the world, Genesis 1, God has revealed revealed Himself. His invisible... attributes are clearly seen. In Mount Palomar, California, and I didn't know this until I read this, there is a telescope that is 200 inches in diameter. And with this telescope, astronomers can observe objects four billion light years away. That's a powerful telescope, isn't it? You know, I, I, I think about the ones I used to play with when I was a kid, that little one that you could probably see across the street with. But they can see it, this distance is a mere 25 septillion miles away. That's a long ways. Take the earth for instance, it spins 1,000 miles per hour with absolute precision. It is unsupported in space. Have you ever thought about that? There's nothing holding it there. It's just spinning. God's invisible attributes are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made in ancient days, long before the telescope was invented, men could take the stars and discover and fix or, and look at the orbits. Church, the Bible is without penalties. Verse eighteen, nineteen reads: "Football has penalties. We all know if you watch football, you'd understand some of the penalties: holding, offsides, out of you know, and different things like that." But the Bible has rules too, and I believe today the world needs to read and see what the rules are, because if not, we know what's going to happen in the long run. I believe the world needs to look at the Bible. I believe we need to go back to the basics of the Bible, understanding how we got the Bible. The words, the words of the Lord are pure, as silver tried in furnace, a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from the generation forever. Psalms twelve six through seven reads. Mark thirteen thirty one. Mark thirteen thirty one reads. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you, for to do them they may live and go and possess the land which the Lord God and your Father has given you. You shall not add unto the world which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep my commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Again, this is going to be more of a history to you right now. This is where I'm going to kind of give you an idea. And you probably already know about where the Bible started and all like this. And some of this, when I read it, I had no idea, but I'm glad I I was able to read this and get an understanding actually where the Bible started. Important facts of how we got the English Bible. Just over a thousand years ago, there was no language recognized in English. Did you know that? A thousand years ago. The story of how we got our Bible is the story of the Protestant Reformation, which began with John Wycliffe, or it could be Wycliffe. It's W-Y-C-L-I-F-F-E. So it's however you want to pronounce it. In the 14th century A.D., the first record words of God came when God himself wrote them down in the Ten Commandments and delivered them on the Mount, to Moses on Mount Sinai. 1500 to 14 B.C., given of the Ten Commandments. The language back then was a form of Hebrew. The earliest scripture is generally considered to be the Pentateuch, which is the first books of Moses. The Old Testament scripture was written in ancient Hebrew, a language different from Hebrew language today. The writings were passed down from generation to generation, from thousand years on a scroll made of animal skin, usually sheep, but sometimes deer or cow. When the Pentateuch is present present on a scroll, it's called a Torah. An entire Torah scroll, completely unrevealed, would be over 100 feet long. It took entire flock of sheep to make one scroll. I bet you our animal rides wouldn't like that, would they? It took 150 to make one scroll. As I was reading this, I thought about, you know, again, how people's Bibles and how many Bibles you may have at home and how important Bibles are. And, 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 I, and I've, I've seen people that had lots of Bibles. I've seen people collect Bibles all a lot, Jeanette. Some of you may remember this person, and I know the ones that's been here for a long time will remember this person. How many of you remember William Harper? For your older ones, who you know, remember William, Pastor Elvia. I know you do, Jeanette, Marilyn. Did y'all know that William collected Bibles? I used to. I remember when 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 you when William was alive. For you didn't know William. No, no, William was a was a a great guy. Was a wonderful guy. He loved Jesus with all his heart. He loved to serving God and, he, and all he wanted to do was to work for God. William was he was handicapped. He had a you know I don't really know all the difficulties he had. I do know William was one of them that had trouble walking and, and his and if you was ever with him uh, you probably you would probably couldn't hardly understand him sometimes when he talked cuz you'd really have to focus when he would talk to you. And I remember when William many days William went through a lot of trouble. He had a lot of pain, most of his growing up. And when he was on his medicine, you couldn't hardly understand him at all. But I remember when William's alive, when William was alive, I would go over his house on Saturdays many times and, and visit with him to see how he was doing and how his week was going for him. And, and I remember William, one thing he would always talk about was, you know, wanting to go and minister. William was a called minister. And for some of you that didn't know uh, knew William, you'd probably wonder how, and, and there we go back, we go back well, how would God would use William. Because you couldn't, sometimes you couldn't understand him. But I've heard William preach, and I believe if there was ever a man called, there was William was a man called of God. And I would go over his house and visit with him and talk to him. And he would talk all day, or he would talk at that time about how he wanted to go and minister and how he enjoyed and how much he wanted to work for uh, God and and love God. And and I remember one day I was over there. It was just a short time before William passed. And I was over there and he he called me into his little study that he had. William was always working on uh, sermons. Man, if ever ever a person that had sermons, pastor, he had sermons, and he was always working on sermons and getting them together. And he called me into his study one day, and I walked in there, and, and he said, "I want you to see what I have here and what I love to do and what I've collected all my life." And from wall to wall, all he had was Bibles that he would go and buy. And I wondered to myself, have you ever read these Bibles? How many have you actually got? And I believe there was time, some of them were still in their wrappers that was never opened. What I'm trying to tell you is this man loved the Bible and he loved reading the Bible. And I remember when I was there that day, he said, I want you to pick out a Bible. I want you to get a Bible and I want you to have it. So I reached up there and grabbed the Bible and I pulled one down and I'll never forget the Bible that I pulled. The Bible that I got was just not the Bible. It was a Bible that you could, after you would read it, you could put notes or you could put sermons in it, Pastor. And as I turned it, I looked and I seen all these sermons that he had put in that Bible. And I thought how wonderful it is for somebody to give me something that is precious to you and that you would take time to write sermons and that you would give me that Bible. And I still have that Bible, and I think today if I could only do half as what William did, if I could only do half what he did by reading the Bible, by studying the Bible, I would be, how much better I would be. I'm telling you this because I believe if there was ever a time, and I said it just a minute ago, that we need to get back to the basics of reading the Bible, and I believe William was there. I believe William was there. If there's anybody we want to follow, if you, even if you don't know who I'm talking about, he was a person I wanted to follow. 500 B.C., completion of the original Hebrew manuscripts which make up the 39 books of the Old Testament. We're going to go back to, in the history part of where it started, of where the Bible come from. 200 B.C. completions of the original Hebrew manuscript which makes up the 39 of the Old Testament and 14, and I hope I say this right, Hypocritical books. I'll spell it to you and you can tell me how it's pronounced. Are you all ready? Because I need your help. A-P-O-C-R-Y-P-H-A-L. Can somebody tell me how that's pronounced? Okay. Well, there you go. Every time I said, I'll call on you then. That sounds good to me. 4595 AD, books written in the Greek New Testament. 90 through 118 AD, councils at Jeremiah gave final affirmation of the Old Testament canon books. 315 AD, the Bishop Alexander identifies the 27 books of the New Testament which are today recognized as the canon of scriptures. 382 A.D., the Council Council of Hebrew, Hippo affirmed the 27 books. So did the Council of Cartridge, 30, 397 A.D. 393 A.D., Jerome, Latin, Vulgate. There's another one. Manuscript produced, which contains all 80 books, 39 Old Testament, plus 14, whatever Marilyn said, plus 27 New Testaments. <laughs> 500 AD scriptures being translated in many languages 600 AD Latin was the only language officially allowed for scripture beginning of the dark middle ages which were the words of god trapped only in language of latin 995 AD angelo saxon translated a new testament proceeded one, 1384 A.D., Wycliffe is the first person to produce a handwritten manuscript of the complete Bible in English. 1455 A.D., Gutenberg. How many members Gutenberg when you was in school? How many members that? You'll get it here in just a second. Events the printing press. Books may now be mass produced instead of eventually, individually handwritten. I bet you they glad of that. The first book ever printed is Gutenberg's Bible in Latin. Fifteen sixteen, Eramus produces a Greek Latin parallel to New Testament. Fifteen twenty two A.D. Martin Luther's German New Testament published. Fifteen twenty six A.D. William Tyndale. New Testament is the first New Testament printed in English language. 1526, that's where it started. For us. <laughs> For me. 1535 A.D., Miles Coverdale's Bible is the first completed Bible printed in English language. Now, do y'all feel like y'all are in school? We're going to give you a test afterwards. So remember the dates. Remember the teacher saying that? Remember the dates. Or you don't have to remember the dates, then the test would be all dates. 1539 A.D., the great Bible printed in first English language Bible authorized for public use, 80 books. 1540 A.D., the Geneva Bible printed the first English language Bible to number verses to each chapter. 1568 A.D., the bishop printed Bible printed the Bible of which the King James was revisioned revision 80 books. 1611 A.D., the King James Bible printed, originally with all 80 books, was officially removed in 1855, leaving only 66 books. I didn't know that. 1782 A.D., Robert Atkins' Bible, the first English language Bible printed in America. And y'all all remember this guy. 1833 AD, Noah Webster's Bible. After producing his famous dictionary, Webster's printed is his own revision of the King James Bible. Eighteen fifty five eighteen eighty five AD, the English revised version Bible, the first major English version, the King James Version. 1901 American Standard Version, the first major American revision of King James, 1952 A.D. The Revised Standard Version, RSV, said to be the revision of the 1901 American Standard Version through more highly criticized due to the early manuscripts that are now more available. We're getting close here. 1971 A.D., the New American Standard Bible, N.S.A.B., is published as the Modern and Accurate Word for English Translation. Thank goodness. And here you go. You'll really like this one. 1982, how many of you know this? The New King James Version, N.K.J.V., is published to the Modern English Version, maintaining the original style of King James. That was the greatest thing right there for me. I know this is a lot of. I know this is different, like I said, and I. This is more of a. It's not a Bible study, I guess. It's a more of an informative thing, but again, church, I I, I don't think there's ever, and I know there's not in my heart, in my mind, if there was ever a book that was written that was the greatest book. That's the Bible, and I know you would say that too. I, I'm not a. And you can ask Lynn, you can ask her, because she can tell you, I don't, I don't like to read. I never was a person that loved liked to read. You can hand me a book, and I'll just set it to the side, because I don't care about reading. But there's one thing that I love to do, believe it or not, is read my Bible every morning. I will do that. If there's ever a book that I love to read, is the Bible. And I told you last week, my best time of reading and praying is early in the morning. And this, this morning when I got up, I couldn't wait to get downstairs before I could pray and, and read my Bible. And, and I'll tell you a little bit about myself. But when, when I read, I'm one of them that I guess my mind just jumps and it continually continue moves. I had to have it very quiet. And I have, now it can't have a lot going on when I'm reading because if, if I'm reading and there's a lot going on, I couldn't tell you what I read just when I got finished. But that's the best time for me early in the morning, church, is whenever I'm alone and I can get down and I can and no, nothing's going on, no television, uh, nobody's talking or nothing like that. I can actually get down and understand the Bible. And have you ever thought when you read the Bible and, you, and you, you've read something many times and you, and you go back and read it again, how many of you ever found this out, that when you read it the next time it's different than the first time? Or you get something different out of it. That's uh, you know. Another day, I, I was reading and I and I was reading the scripture. And I thought I've read that before, but I, didn't, I don't remember that. In fact, I've read that many times. I don't remember that. But I thought about how reading the Bible. It's not just like a regular regular Bible or book you read. You can go to Walmart and pick up a book and you can read it, and you can turn it to the next day and read it, and it's the same story. It doesn't. It it doesn't change. But the Bible's different, church. It changes as far as what you think and what you get out of it. Not as far as the Scriptures. Now, don't get me wrong, because you're probably saying the Bible doesn't change. You're right, it doesn't change. But your thinking changes if you're reading you, and you get into it more. And you focus into it more. You receive more out of it. That's why I believe today America needs the Bible. America needs the Bible like never before. Just this morning, and I, and I say this over and over because I said it last week. I remember I said this. This morning, I turned on the television just before I went to work. And within five minutes, I done heard about two people getting killed last night. And this morning, somebody was getting killed in Memphis. Do you believe this? I believe this in my own heart, church. That all this mess started whenever the Bible was took out of schools. You may have your own opinion, and I'm sure, I'm sure you, it, it, you, it may be right what you're thinking. But I remember when I was in school. I remember when I was growing up. We read the Bible in school, believe it or not. Can you remember them days? Can you remember when you're, the teacher would allow you actually to read? What would happen today if somebody tried to read the Bible? What would happen today they would get in trouble? You know what really makes me mad is, and I'm gonna go. What is it? Get on one of these soapboxes, and why? Why I, I got you? I'm gonna get on it. What I really hate is when you go to a sporting event. And I remember when I was growing up, and I'd go to a sporting event. They would, you know, they would pray, and and they maybe even have a Bible, a scripture. Somebody would get up before the game and read a scripture. And most of the time when they'd done that and read the Bible, it was just something about, or when they prayed, they would just say, have safety for our team, have safety for the kids, that, or safety on the way going home. There was nothing other than just something like that. And now they can't do that. What has happened to America that they have took out the prayer, they took out the Bible, and now I bet you there's people now realizing what has happened since this has happened. Since they've let this take place, we can see what is going on in America. If there was ever a time that we need to get back to the basics of the Bible, it's now. I believe our White House needs to, ask to get to the basics of the Bible. It would, it would be shocking to me, or I wish, this is what I wish, that before they went to work in the White House and the government places, that the president would set them down and make them read the scripture of the Bible. You're talking about causing some stir. That would stir some people. But that's what we need. And I believe we need today, church, I believe the Christian needs to pray that we can get the Bible back into these places. We can put the Ten Commandments back on the walls and in in our capitals and our government places. I just had to say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but... Here's a, a, a little bit of lesson on these people that we just talked about and who wrote the Bible. John Wycliffe, the first handwritten Bible manuscript was produced in, was produced in 1380 by John Wycliffe, an Oxford professor, scholar, and theologian. Wycliffe was well known throughout Europe for, his, for, for the teaching and, of the organization of church which he believed to, to be contrary to the Bible with, with the help of his followers and many of the faithful scribes. Wycliffe produced dozens of English-Latin manuscripts, copies of the Scripture. They were translated out of the Latin Vulgate, which was the only source text available to Wycliffe. The Pope was so mad by his teachings and his translations of the Bible into English that 44 years after he died, he ordered his bones to be dug up, crushed, and scattered over the river. 44 years after the man died, he was still mad at him for translating into English. Thomas Lencare, or Lanacare, in the 1490s, another Oxford professor and a professional. Prof- Personal physicians to King Henry the VII Seventh and the Eighth, Thomas decided to learn Greek. After reading the Gospels in Greek and comparing them to the Latin, he wrote in his diary: "Either this original Greek is not gospel, or we are not Christians. The Latin has become so corrupt that it is no longer even the message of the gospel. Yet the Church." still threatened to kill anyone who read the Scriptures in any other language. Though Latin was not an original language of the Scriptures. John Collette. I was reading this, and this this one really hit home with me. In 1496, John Collette, another Oxford professor and son of the mayor of London, started reading the New Testament in Greek and translated into English for his students at Oxford. And later for the public at St. Paul's Church in London, the people were so hungry to hear the Word of God in their own language that within six months there was 20,000 people packed in the church and at least that many outside trying to get in to hear the Word of God. How many people are standing outside our church to hear the Word of God? How many people are standing in not just Pathway, the churches of America, the church all over? How many people stand outside to get in to hear the Word of God? Church, we need God to move. We need to move like never before that people will be standing outside. People will be begging to get in. These people was begging to get in to hear the Word of God. We can barely get people in the church now. We have to beg them to come. They was begging to get in. The world has truly changed, hasn't it? John Hoss and Martin Luther A follower of Wycliffe, John Hoss believed people should permit should be permitted to read the Bible in their own language, and they should oppose to tyranny of the Roman Church that threatened anyone possessing a non Latin Bible with execution. Hoss was burned in, at stake in 1415 when Wycliffe, Wycliffe's manuscript Bible was used as kindling for fire. I want you to get this, and I'll do my best to get this right. The last words of John Hoss' were, In 100 years God will rise up a man whose call to reform cannot be suppressed. Almost 100 years later, in 1517, Martin Luther nailed his famous 95 Theses of Content, at least 95 issues of theological and crimes of the Roman Church. And to the church doors of Wittenberg, Martin Luther went to be the first person to translate, to publish, to publish, and the Bible in commonly spoken, direct, and German people. Fox Books of Martyrs records that in the same year, 1517, seven people was burned at stake by the Roman Catholic Church for crime of teaching their children to say the Lord's Prayer in English. Seven people was killed because they read the Lord's Prayer. John Gutenberg, John Gutenberg invented the printing press in 1450s, and his first book printed was the Latin language Bible printed in Germany. The inventions of the movable type, type printing press meant that the Bibles and books could finally be produced in large quantities in a short time. This was a success and appeared known as the Reformation. William Tyndale was a captain of the army of the Reformers and was their spiritual leader. Tyndale holds the distinction of being the first man to ever print the New Testament in English language. Tyndale was a true scholar and a genius so fluent in eight languages that he was said one that he that it was said one would think any one of them could be a negative tongue. That one would say, think of any of them to be a negative tongue. I know this was, again, church, more of a history lesson to you. But I, 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 I truly have, church. I prayed since I'm, I was given this that I could give this to you, not just in a history lesson. that what I could say to you and what I read to you tonight would be something that would go with us throughout our lives and throughout our day-to-day walk, that we could use what I said tonight to help people understand that we need God in America. We need the Lord to move. And I believe, and I said it just a few minutes ago, I believe the Lord is going to move, and you've read it and you've heard it, and it says in the Bible in the last days, God is going to pour out His anointing like never before, church. Brother Adam, I believe in these last days, God is going to move more than we have ever seen before. We're we're just on the tip of uh, what is the iceberg of what's going to happen. In the last few weeks, the last four weeks, I believe, And I said this at the beginning, and I I keep thinking about this every day, Jeanette. I keep thinking about this over and over, how God has moved in a different way. And I believe, and I remember several times, I remember pastors and preachers standing here and saying God was going to move at Pathway. And I believe when He put us here, whenever I heard the very first time a preacher say God put us here for a reason, I know what that is. We've been here many years and I believe it's just now when God's fixing to start doing what we was promised. I want to challenge you, church. From my heart, I want you to do this for me. I want you to take the rest of this week, if you would, that people will start realizing what's going on. That people in America will start realizing what's going on and open their eyes. We have covered our eyes. America's covered our eyes and like it's, it's, it's okay for things going on. It's okay. It's supposed to be like that. It's not supposed to be like this. I want you to pray that people will get back to what the Bible says. I want you to pray that people will start reading and get back to where it tells them how they should live. Because if they don't, we know what's going to happen. The Lord is coming back. I don't have to tell you. I know you're the Wednesday night crowd, brother David. I know we're the Wednesday night crowd. I know what they say about the Wednesday night crowd, but I believe the Wednesday night crowd is what this what we need to have make this happen. I believe if we all come together and we pray. That we can get back to the basics of the Bible, like I said at the beginning. If we'll just get back to the very basics of the Bible where we need to serve and live for God, America will change. I want to challenge you to do that for me this week, and I want you to challenge that you'll pray, and I know you're, I know you are. I want you to continue to pray for our services on Sunday. I want you to continue to pray that God will continue to move because we don't want Him to stop moving. Because I believe there's more people going to be saved. I believe there's more people going to be ministered to. I believe there's people going to be healed. I believe miracles are going to take place like we never thought would happen. We'll be surprised when they happen. I believe that's what's going to happen. Jeanette. It's gonna be all right. I believe the Lord wants me to tell you right now you're gonna be okay. Why don't you stand with me if you would? I tell you this: we're going to face things. We're going to face things that we don't understand in our lives. We're going to have to deal with different things that's going to come up against us that we don't, we're going to question why. We're going to ask why it's happened and why am I going to, have to go through it. But I believe this is what the Lord wants me to tell you right now. it's going to be okay. I've got this. Just like he told me one day when I was walking down the street and I was praying about a situation that was going on in the family. As I was walking, he stopped and he told me, I want you to know that everything's okay. I've got this. No matter what happens, whatever the outcome is, I've got this and you're going to be all right. And Jeanette, I believe that's what the Lord wants me to tell you right now. He's got this and it's going to be okay. I want you to pray right now with me. I want you to pray for a few minutes, if you would take a few minutes and pray for this service this Sunday morning. That if there's just one person that shows up that needs God, that He would receive the answer that God has for him. Remember these prayer requests, because we have several that needs a prayer like never. Be- they need a prayer answer like never before. The only thing they've got left is a prayer being answered. The only answer they have left is God answering this prayer because they've tried everything, they've been everywhere, and they've done everything they could do. The only answer left is God answering the prayer. Pray with me right now that God will move this Sunday like never before in this service, that prayers will be answered. Father, right now, we come right now, and we're believing and we're trusting that Your move this Sunday will be like never before. We're praying that you'll help people to get back to the basics of the Bible. That they'll get back to where they realize that they need to serve and live for you. Because the near is so, your coming is so near, Lord. Move upon Pathway to be the church that helps people to get where they need to be. Move that Pathway will be the church where people will be ministered to and the needs that they have. That lives will be changed. People will be turned around from the darknesses that they're walking in. That people will be free from the bondages of things that are holding them down. Right now I pray for healing to break loose in Pathway. I pray for people that come, that they're looking for healing, they will receive the healing from you. I pray for salvation to fall upon this church. That people will be saved, that, that they'll come in and they'll, they won't, they'll receive your life. They'll receive you into their lives and that they'll be saved. You've promised, you've promised over and over, and we're accepting your promises right now for the move like never before in this church. We're looking for miracles in this church like never before that's going to amaze us and that's going to shock us, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name, amen and amen.